Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Um, It's probably been a minute, but some of you remember that we are in a series called... Okay, for the eight of you, you get a sucker after church. For the rest of you, no sucker for you. We are in a series, believe it or not, called King and Kingdom, which I am having a glorious time, not only obviously ministering, but spending my my study time and some of my intimate time meditating on these principles. And I was... I was in a lot of tension this week about today. Not bad tension, like I was struggling with God, wrestling with God. But I was wrestling to hear from God for specifically what I needed to say to you. Because I know that I only get one chance a week to hear from heaven and release it into... Some of you who are not distracted by things in your mind, and I I cannot tell you the value and the weightiness that that is for me. I know some folks are coming to, to, to check the box for your church service. I get that. I understand that, and that's fine. If you hang around long enough, sooner or later, our culture will get all over you like mud. I know that some other folks are in here and you're you're very narrow focused and you just you're looking for that one thing for that one answer for that one problem. And sometimes because folks are so narrow they miss the fact that God's gonna answer your question with answering a different question that actually answers your question. And then I know there are folks that are looking for all the things that are wrong. And let me just help you out real quick. Here I am. We can just get this off the plate. All the stuff that's wrong with this church probably is right around in this area. Get over it. And then there's uh, there's some of you folks that are that are saturated by the culture that have this thing going on on the inside of you um, that has. Uh, a tingle and an awkwardness and an excitement and a trepidation and a, all that. Uh, congratulations, you're really, really healthy. And you probably don't have any walls up and your doors are open. And the Spirit is going to be able to release into your life things that are going to take you into the stratosphere. Amen. Not that He doesn't want to do that for everyone, right. but as we all know, Hopefully, 
Jesus told us that when the sower sows the word, I'm the sower today and I'm going to sow word, that 25% of the recipients have weeds, 25% are hard-packed places, 25% have rocks, and 25% is good ground. And even of the 25% that's good ground, some of the good ground only brings forth 30, some brings forth 60, and some brings forth 100. So if you break that down, it's only about 8%. But I'm preaching to you like everyone in here is the 8%. Amen. So I pray that you either hear it or fake it. Because I'm going to bring it. You are going to need a basket full of seeds. Which is also a weapon. And it's called the Word of God. If you did not bring a Bible, if you do not have a Bible app that you have ready at the touch of a finger on your smartphone that you are not going to be distracted with by all the other things going on on your smartphone, then please raise your hand. We would love to give you a Bible. You can have it. You can hold it. You can keep it. You can have your neighbor sign it like it was a personal gift to you. So if that's you, please raise your hand so we can get you a Bible before we get into what I need to minister this morning. Nobody needs a Bible. All right, then you guys better be quoting stuff as I start reading off Scripture references. For the ones that don't quote it, we know who you are. The foundational verses that we've been using for this series is Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, there's also a parable uh, parallel to this in Matthew chapter 6 that we're going to reference as well. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 29, it says, this is Jesus, this is in red, if you have a Bible, or a Bible app with red. And it says, and seek not what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. It's, I I think it's interesting how the, how Jesus drilled it down to kind of the important things. You can, you can go about ten days um, in the natural without food. Uh, from the looks of some of you, maybe twelve. <laughs> Medically, you can go about ten days without food. Which means that it is a necessity, you have to have it. You can go approximately three days without water, drink, and then you'll dehydrate and pass away. So two of the most important things that you need to exist is food that creates energy and water that creates the processes for you to, um, for you to use and develop that energy and action in your life. And then he brings in doubtful mind. This is important because this is where a ton of folks live. They live in this stressed out, worried, anxious, always going kind of the wrong direction in our thinking because there's so many things coming at us so often. you got the political realm trying to trying to overwhelm you. you got the economic realm trying to 
puke on you. You got friends and families and neighbors who are just completely wheels off on fire with their hair flapping in the wind, trying to come to your house and and project all of their. And God forbid you turn the TV on. You're just. I'm going to have to drive to hell and rescue you if you turn your TV on. There's all this stuff going on, and Jesus said, basically, this is it. This is your thinking, your food, your water. And he said, don't think about these things. And just like Jesus did probably the day that he preached this, I just lost the whole crowd. Don't think about it. What do you mean, don't think about it? Well, if I don't think about it, I don't think about it. I know. Because you are your God. And if you don't take care of you, no one will. I see this a lot. I used to, those of you that know my history, I ran 63 restaurants in, or as part of a management team that ran 63 restaurants in Dallas-Fort Worth, and about 80% of my employees, I had two, 3,000 employees, about 80% of my employees were minimum wage people, and most of them were gals, because we were a restaurant, and so they were um, servers in the restaurant. And uh, I became very aware, like almost slap in the face aware, that most of these gals, they were living their life to try to get that guy that was going to take care of them. And I know all the guys in the room are like, oh, no problem. You, hold on, I'll get to you. <laughs> and the, the thing that, and I said this probably thousands of times. You know, there's a guy, there's only one guy that actually can take care of you. And it's the one guy that all these gals didn't want to hear about. I've had gals sit in my office that have gone from, from boy to boy to boy to boy. And I've actually said to them, like, why do you need a boy? And, they're, and some of them even said, I don't know. I just have to have another boy. Because we're, we're aware that we cannot legitimately completely take care of ourselves. And so we know that there has to be some help. But we don't necessarily trust God, this way far off big entity that mm, I believe there is one and I believe that he's probably good, but I've never really like touched him, so I don't know if he can bring me food and water, but maybe he's going to take care of my eternal soul one day, I hope. I know, i got a lot riding on this. So there's obviously no way to trust him. So you have to trust you. <laughs> you poor fool. Okay. If you met you, then you know that you probably shouldn't trust you. Because I know some of you, and I barely trust you. Jesus is fully trustable. And I know that, I know I'm in church, and so I'm in safe ground for everybody. Amen. Trust in God with everything. Mm hmm. Come on now. With your food? 
With your water? With your thoughts? With everything? Neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. He's saying the difference between people of the kingdom and people in the nations of the world is this defining characteristic. Just found out how much of the church is in the world. <laughs> if, you, if you're a regular fella, I told you I'd get to you guys, and, uh, and you work 50 hours a week, that's 50 hours of working. And then you got another 10 maybe hours of drive time because we're out here in the, in the cool parts of the rural, wonderful, conservative, cornfield, snow-filled Illinois. Amen. And you got to pack lunches and get the stuff for the things and do all the... So let's, let's, let's take it to like 70. And then you got to think about it. Can we, can we go for 90? Are we, we're, let's go 80, because some of you guys are way more holy than some other ones. So we'll just say 80. So you got 80 hours invested in your 40-hour job, in your 40-hour job, which is just a smidge under 50% of the total hours of your week. 168 is the total hours of your week. So 50% of your time is invested in food, water. And I know that there's a bunch of people say, hey, 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 hey. I'm kind of holy when I'm at work. I like to think about God sometimes. I know. God bless you. It says in the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, which is the book for me, written by the one that created me, that I'm supposed to work so that I can have the give. I would, I would do the cool thing that uh, would make half the people get offended and maybe not come back next week by saying, raise your hand if everything you're working for at your J-O-B is so you can give it away. Well, not. But if I did, we would probably all find out real quick that this isn't, this isn't as cut and dried black and white of nations of the world that don't have a God. And then us cool Christians over here that actually do have a God and we fully trust Him because that's kind of the dividing line. I will tell you that, um, more people probably have faith in pension and social security than they do Jesus. That you, that quietness, that's that's the answer. I I've had so many people come in my office and I've counseled them um, about specifically sometimes in financial stuff, and I've had lots of folks say, "Well, I'm on a fixed income," and I have said, not all the time, because sometimes I don't have permission, because some people don't really want to know the truth; they just want to complain. And sometimes I've said, who fixed it? 
Well, the government. Do, do, do you have a God? Well, yeah, but... You... Yabbit? Yeah, Yabbit. Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to watch cartoons, and Elmer Fudd would chase around with a shotgun a rascally Yabbit. And he tried to shoot that Yabbit, and he tried to kill that Yabbit, and he tried to trap that Yabbit, and he never got that Yabbit. And then people got born again and went to church and said, I know, by his stripes I'm healed, Yabbit. And then the rabbit pops up, and I take my gun and I shoot, and you duck. And I never kill that Yabbit. And your father knows... Your father knows. Your father knows. Can, can, can we agree, at least agree, that God's smarter than us? Every, was that everybody? You guys okay? Do I need to lighten it up a little? Hey, do a dance. Can we agree that God is smarter than us and knows more than us? So whatever you think your needs are, if you all, if you agreed, now I'm not forcing anybody. This is you are free to agree or disagree. You just can't throw stuff. <clears throat> if you agree with that, if you agree that God knows more than you, that means He actually knows what you need. Which means you don't actually know what you need. You think you know what you need. Did I... Are we okay? Your Father who created you, who knows how your cells work, designed your metabolism, makes all the synapses in your brain, those of you that have them, fire to do all that amazing stuff that needs to be done. That Father knows what you need. And then we go to prayer telling Him what we need. To inform poor old misinformed God about the things in our life that He is not bringing. And if He was a little bit better of a God, we wouldn't be having to have this session every morning about us telling him what he needs to do for the day. Amen? Nobody? Your father knows that you have need of these things. And even hearing a statement like that, I know that some people think like, well, if he knows, why ain't he doing it? Which almost makes us matter. Well, thanks, Pastor. Now I know God don't like me. Came in here thinking maybe you didn't. You just confirmed it. He knew it before you knew it. He knew it before you were born. And so what He did in His infinite wisdom, infinite power, and infinite ability 
was he went ahead and made the supply before you had the need. And he piled it all up more than you could ever possibly need and made it freely available to anyone that would come. And then we tell a bunch of folks that God ain't doing it. Well, I'm just waiting on God. I keep waiting on God. Maybe one day He'll do it. And the Father says, that one day was 2,000 years ago, and I done did it and piled it all up, and it's freely available to anyone humble enough to receive the abundant grace that he has for every area of our life. Your father knows. But rather seek ye, but rather, this is one of the good buts in the Bible, not the rascally yeah but that I can't shoot with my Elmer Fudd shotgun. This is the, which by the way, since we're in this cancel culture, I know, I'm off track. But this is going to be fun. Are you for real, Dr. Seuss? Am I the only one that, like, can't understand the level of ignorance that it takes to cancel Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss! We have X-rated television shows. They're X-rated, y'all. And Dr. Seuss is the problem with our society. Man! When I was a kid, a couple days ago, you know Bugs Bunny, the rascally yabbit, could stick his two... What did he have? I guess I never thought about it. Did he have fingers? He had fingers. No, they weren't paws. They were fingers. He had a rabbit with fingers. That's kind of creepy. He would stick his two fingers in the shotgun, and the shotgun could not fire. And that is now considered offensive because Elmer Fudd is a shotgun. And we have video games that you make extra money or points or whatever by mutilating in a bloodbath people and doing terrible things that I won't even say on a recording. You make extra money or points or whatever for doing that. And Elmer Fudd's shotgun that can get plugged with two rabbit fingers? Pause. I'm back. Did you see? I just just for a minute went away, and here I am. But rather seek ye. What's what's insinuated here is you're going to be seeking something. You're going to be seeking something. You are always working towards something. The cool thing that Jesus is highlighting here is you have basically two choices. You can seek the stuff. Or you can seek the source. 
You can go after God's wallet, or you can have God's heart. See, I know this. I've been, I've been in the ministry long enough to realize that I really don't have to talk to anybody about their money. Because I know that when a person's heart is completely saturated with Jesus, His kingdom, His people, His gathering place, that there is absolutely no way that they would withhold the treasure of their finances from the things that we're doing. There are people in this room that I know I could go to, I could ask them for anything, anything, and they'd give me everything. And I know there are people in this room that Jesus could do the same thing, and I also know that there are people that aren't there yet. And so they flip a 20 in the plate because they tip God for the cool service that He gave them this week. And I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just saying, this is why I don't have to worry about where someone is as it relates to supporting me. This was one of the things that the Father set me free from a couple of years into ministry. Kay and I were so broke. So broke. Self-inflicted brokenness. We could not buy groceries. We had to believe God for groceries. I had to clean out my ashtray in my truck one time of all the coins so I could go drive to the hospital and pray for someone. That's how broke we were. It was terrible. And I actually wore it like a badge of honor. Look what I did for you, Lord. Left my big job and all the money to come be a beggar for you. And it didn't really work on him the way... (laughs) And what it was, was I was looking for folks to be my source. And because I was looking for folks to be my source, I almost starved to death and almost starved my family to death. And there are people in this room that your job is your source or the government is your source or your your business or your whatever. That those things are your source. And all I have for you is boatloads of pity. Because your source is terrible and doesn't care about you at all. Because the moment you don't perform the way they don't want you to, you are gone. You are gone. There are people that are literally more... I know people, personally, who are more committed to the Green Bay Packers than Jesus. And the amazing thing for me is, the only reason the Green Bay Packers exist is to get your money. That's it. And I know I just offended some Green Bay Packers fans. It's because you... At least one of them. The reason that's offensive is because you don't think that. No, no, they they don't want my money. (laughs) Really? Just 
play for free, send you jerseys just because, give you free tickets, buy you popcorn when you come. Anybody ever been to a football game and and come back with less than a thousand dollars than you had before? <laughs> and if you're wise like me, you go park and pay the guy fifty bucks to park, and then you find out that he wasn't even really the parking attendant, and then you didn't, then you had to pay some other guy fifty bucks. So you, yeah, that's right. Didn't always have the the mind of Christ. These things that sometimes we're so committed to, we don't realize, they literally exist to take from us. I could you go back to the same example, the gals that have to have the boys. Those boys don't care about them. They just want stuff. And you're offering. And they'll pay. They'll pay with affection and poems and text messages and all that. I've sat with these gals. And then they get married. And the guy's like, okay. Got it. And I have these wives sit in my office. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, because you were for sale and he bought you. And, and I see it all the time, especially in the young girls, like how they dress. Because their advertising was for sale. If your heart's for sale, then when you get connected to a guy who loves your heart, and you love his heart, then nothing has to be for sale. Because true love is that they actually care more about you than they care about themselves. They honor you more than they honor themselves. This is Jesus. And people don't want him. Well, I mean, you know, they want him so they don't go to hell. They don't want that. But they don't want him, want him. But rather, seek ye. A way you can say seek is investigate. Investigate the king and his kingdom. What is a kingdom? King, dumb. Dumb is short for dominion. King's dominion. You should be seeking the king's dominion. That doesn't mean seek where to go to get into the king's dominion. It means to seek to get the king's dominion to be wherever you go. Whatever is in the king's dominion is in His authority. So you can look through your life and you can find out what's probably in the King's dominion in your life based upon how it operates. Is there any sickness or disease in heaven? Is heaven fully in the King's dominion? So therefore, in your body... To the degree that your body is submitted to the dominion of the king, it is going to look like it looks in heaven. Your soul, your emotions. How many people, how many depressed Alcoholics Anonymous groups do they have in heaven? Are you sure? 
Tab's been there. She checked and nothing. she let me. Oh, not. I mean, not the the other. The never mind. If that's not in heaven, then it's not according to God's dominion here. All right. How many? How many like Skid Row, Section Eight housing? Some of y'all are catching up. How many? Just, just plain, generally sad folk. <coughs> this is like really kindergarten, elementary. I get that, but you do realize all of you that have been forced to say the Lord's Prayer, the quote-unquote Lord's Prayer, I don't like that terminology, but I don't have time to get into it, have prayed for this exact thing. Our Father, who's in heaven, your name is holy and awe, and to be revered is what hallowed means. Hallowed is your name, and the word name means character, honor, essence, Authority. Your name has all of that. Hallowed is your name. Your king's dominion come, which means your will be done on earth. Is anybody here on earth? Okay, God. Oh, what the? I need to call Ghostbusters. Oh, never mind. Those of you that don't know, this is Earth. That could be the. I could think of all the people I'm helping right now. So, I woke up today. What planet am I on? Earth. Well, thank you, Pastor. Now we should take an offering. This is earth. Where should God's will be being done? Has anybody looked around lately and not seen God's will being done? Anybody? A a couple of you. (laughs) You turned on the news. (laughs) Don't do that. The will of the Father is not being done on this earth as it's being done in heaven. For those of you that aren't paying attention. And it's supposed to be. If you've ever prayed that, or if you believe that you're supposed to pray that. Either way. You don't even have to utter those words. But I'm telling you that Jesus said, this is what we're supposed to be praying for. Which means that's what we're supposed to be praying for. It's for heaven and its will to be being done everywhere we go. If the king's dominion is going to be spread abroad, who's going to do it? The king's kids. The king's kids. Welcome to the family.
Now go spread the kingdom. When you see someone that is not in heaven's will, by default, you should understand and know that on the inside of you, you have a solution for whatever's going on in that person. Now, they don't have to take it. Trust me, been doing this a long time. Some people like their misery. Some people actually feel good in their misery. Some people like their demons. They hug them, they hold them, they kiss them, they sleep with them. Their demons are their demons. That doesn't mean that you still don't have a solution to the problem. You should find out who wants to have a solution to their problem. First, investigate, seek. Uh, Matthew 6.33, this exact same discourse, actually not exact same, it's the same language that was being released by Jesus in a little bit of a different way, which means that Jesus preached multiple sermons that were the same to different people and sometimes the same people. In other words, the same problem Jesus had in ministry is the same problem we have today. You've got to repeat a lot of stuff. Because sometimes people don't get it on the first time. The king. First investigate, first seek the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added unto you. Which comes first? Seeking. Investigating. The kingdom... Then the king provides your stuff. The Bible uses the word things. If you have need of things, there's someone who can provide your things while you are seeking his kingdom. He can add to you things. Fear not. Little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Little flock. The word little in the Greek is micro. And it doesn't mean five sheep in a flock. It means little as in child. Let's go to Matthew 18. And we'll start right at the top of Matthew 18. I want to highlight who is the greatest in the kingdom. Who the one is that's doing the best job of being a prince of their father's kingdom. This is Jesus again. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in heaven? Just so you, you're picking up on this, 80% of all the conversation that Jesus had and did and, and people asked him about, it all revolved around kingdom. Disciples ask him who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. The disciples' mama coming up and say, hey, will you make my kids number one in the kingdom? 
Jesus talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is as if a man should plant seed. The kingdom is this way. If you're not little flock, it's your Father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. This was the message of the king. So if you have any other message going off in your heart that you think Jesus uh, was very pronounced about, I would tell you to probably lay down your doctrine, lay down your religion, and at least go and read the Scriptures and find out that this is what Jesus talked about. The kingdom and His Father who ruled over the kingdom. This is, this is it. Did He cover other things? Of course. Did He ever leave the kingdom to cover other things? No. He was the son of the kingdom that covered the kingdom. For people that He was inviting into the kingdom. I feel like Jesus. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child. Little child. Now I was trying to do some research to figure out like, what age is this little child? You know, that's how we are, right? <laughs> like what exactly? Is it like 5.7? And I, what I figured out was, was that it means little child as in a child before they're defiled. A child of innocence. Now, depending on who you are, how you grew up, where you grew up, who grew you up, that number is who knows what. Depending on where, what nation, depending on, on, on things that you were subjected to or things that you weren't subjected to. That, that, there's a whole gamut here, and that's why it wasn't a number, but it was specifically a type. This is still in the purity of innocence child. This is the child that you, they come over to your house, and you're watching them, and you're taking care of them, and it's time to put them to bed, so you got to go give them a bath, and they're in the bathtub, buck naked, dancing to music that ain't playing and loving it, and you're feeling awkward because you're an adult. They're totally innocent. They don't care that they're naked. They are naked and unashamed. This is Adam and Eve. This is innocence. Adam and Eve were full-grown adults and little children. Innocent. This is before you've been defiled by the world that teaches you how to lie and manipulate and, and cover things up and, and not be transparent and, and put on a fake face and be hypocritical and, and go and do all that worrying thing because now you're grown up and you've got to worry about stuff because that's what you're supposed to do. and That's all non-innocence. That's slavery. <laughs> He took a little child, an innocent child, a not yet defiled by the people of this world child, and set him in the midst, put him in the center, and said this, this is the target. That's offensive. 
to all the grown-up, adulty people in here. The ones that are adulting and doing a good job of it. Way to go! You need a trophy! And Jesus said, you're on the bottom. Because the cheapest, the greatest, the best is the innocent child. And he set him in the midst and said, Verily, truly, I say to you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You shall not enter into the... Do you hear the gripping language that Jesus is using? Doesn't say you're not born again. Doesn't say you're not, you're going to go to hell. This is why people get so messed up with the scriptures. Jesus never, I can't say never. Jesus did not talk about heaven and hell. Jesus talked about living life. And you can either live life as a son in the kingdom, or you can live life not. This is how he ministered. He didn't come. He wasn't a Baptist. He wasn't trying to get people born again and baptized in the water and then get them signed up for his cool church. He was a son of heaven. He was trying to bring heaven into sons. That was his goal. We need to, we need to stop all this religion and doctrine when we read the scriptures and you'll find out that there's a ton of available truth. Jesus said, unless you are converted and become as this little child, you will not enter into the kingdom. You know what's really frustrating? It's seeing the kingdom, all the dynamics of it, reading about it, researching it, doing papers in Bible college about the kingdom hearing all the scriptures about the kingdom, and never actually enter in. Hearing about people getting healed, hearing about people being blessed financially, hearing about people living in joy and peace, and, and God taking them into fruitful places in their life, and hearing about the, the cool marriages that have been healed, hearing about all that stuff, and never getting it yourself. This is what takes people out of the church all the time. And when you go to try to rescue them and talk to them and and get them off the ledge, they don't want to hear it. Because God doesn't do that stuff. But the reason you're offended at God is because other people testified that God does that stuff. But God doesn't do that stuff. Which is it? Well, he must be a respecter of persons. Because he's doing this great stuff for Stacy, and he's not doing anything for me. Little children don't think that way. You know how little children think? If somebody is standing up at the pulpit and he's handing out cookies, you know what a little child thinks? Getting a cookie. You know that child doesn't care if he's black, if he's white, if he's fat, and maybe he doesn't need a cookie. 
if it's only cookie for people in green t-shirt day, if it's, if there's a cost for the cookie, kids don't care. There ain't no cost. Money grows on trees. You think I'm kidding. Money grows on trees. You ever heard of an orchard? Money grows on trees. And kids know that. You don't need money. The cookie's right there. Why would you need money? There's a cookie. Because you're trying to earn stuff with your father, he can't give you a cookie. Maybe you aren't qualified. You're standing at the back of the church watching all the other kids get a cookie and complaining that the pastor is not giving you a cookie. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you be converted. This word convert, it was only translated converted one time. Every other time it says turn. It means to turn around. It means if I was walking and Tab said, Hey, Pastor, I would stop, I would turn, and I would likely close the gap. That's what this word means. So here you are adulting, all grown up and got it all figured out, and we all know that you want to cry yourself to sleep because you're so jacked up and you can't catch up. You're adulting, and the father says, hey! You say, yeah? How about you become like a little child? Well, don't you know, God, I've got it pretty well figured out. Just give me another couple days. I'll, I'll get the rest of it sorted. Hey, why don't you come back, become a little child, and let me father you? But what if you don't do a good job? How about you trust me? But I, I, my, my real father let me down. I, I know. I was there. Trust me. But, but, but do, do you have the resources? <laughs> um, I could probably figure it out. But the world really loves me. Don't you know how, how wonderful they make me feel all the time on social media? Yeah, but I actually love you. And I'm the one that admits love. But this feels so good sometimes when it doesn't feel terrible. You know, I actually created you. I know the number of hairs on your head. And 
I'm the only one that actually knows what truly makes you feel good. Unless you be converted and become as little children, you will not enter into. It kind of, when I was a kid, I used to read Narnia. And in Narnia, the only way to get into Narnia was through the wardrobe. And for some reason, only the kids could go through the wardrobe. Adults don't go through wardrobes to get to anything. They're way too smart. The only thing in wardrobes for adults is stuffy stuffy clothes with moss. In a wardrobe for a little child is a whole world filled with adventure. The door to get into the kingdom of God is about this big. And a lot of good, solid American guys are kicking at it. And they'll even get sledgehammers. And gals, God bless you, you'll cry to try to get them to open it up for you. And God's not trying to keep anybody out. He's just letting you know there's a way in, but you have to convert. And he even gives you the power and the ability to convert. John 3.16. Anybody know this one? For God so loved the world. One of the reasons that this is such a famous and renowned scripture is because it contains some of the most important concepts that all of us will ever have to get. For God so loved. So here's the why for everything. So if what's going on in your life doesn't line up to this why, that means it might not be either A, God, or B, you letting the love part of it work. The devil does not so love the world. The devil so hates the world. The Father so loves the world that He gave Jesus. Jesus. We don't have a grid for this. The Father, Jesus, and the Spirit work together from infinite time before time So intimately together that they were one. Not like one. They were one. The three of them were so intimate, so connected, so intertwined in every single way that there wasn't three. There was one, but there was three. But there was one. And God so loved that He took a third of Himself and sent it to the broken cesspool of snake land. Because the people there were so valuable. 
and so worth it that He gave the best because of His love for us. That He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever He made it universal. He didn't distinguish by race. He didn't distinguish by class. He didn't distinguish by nationality. Man created all that and then taught their children to do that. When I grew up, I didn't know that a different skin tone on my friends meant I was supposed to feel differently. I had to learn that. I had to be taught that. My father, if he's teaching me, tells me whosoever can receive this love. And believes that he himself came for you. I can't believe this for you. I can only believe this for me. You can only believe this for you. And whosoever believes, whosoever, and I love, this is why I'm a King James guy. Like you, when you, someone says whosoever, you got to think about it. Whosoever believes in him. Now, what's interesting about the word in is 571 times it was translated into. Whoever believes into Him. This is different than I believe that the guy in the painting did cool stuff 2,000 years ago on a T-shaped piece of tree. And there's a lot of people that are there. And I'm not condemning them. It's a good good place to start. (laughs) But don't don't, that's not believing into Him. Believing into Him is that guy is my Savior. And I actually went up on that cross with Him because He didn't have to go to the cross because He didn't do anything. He went to the cross because I did it. And He paid for my sins. And He removed the barrier between me and my father by becoming the curse so I could become the son and now I believe into him and when I believe into him not just on him not just at him but when I believe into him he does this amazing thing he gives me freely Eternal life. And I'll guarantee that maybe only 1% of this room subscribe to me. Or even give me context for eternal life. Because we think eternal is, for, is, is talking about time, like it's going to last eternally. No. Every soul is going to experience eternity. 
whether that soul is believing into Satan or whether that soul is believing into Jesus. Eternity, length of time, is not eternal life. We, we put that on there to try to make it to try to make it work. But it, that doesn't make it work. Jesus didn't come so you could just live forever. <laughs> because some of you have thought about dying this week. Or maybe at least some people out there. I know there's a lot of folks that are really, really in a ton of turmoil. And stuff is on them. And sometimes an exit strategy is the only strategy. I get that. I've been there. I know how terrible it can be. And so then when somebody goes, well, Jesus wants you to live eternally. Well, great. Thanks for the extra hell. It's not that. The word eternal is eonio or eonice or something like that. I'm not a Greek dude. But it, it means the quantity and perpetuality. It means that it's self-regenerating. Perpetual self-regeneration. And the word life is zoe. And zoe is the definition of life that God Himself possesses. There's, it's so hard to define. It's actually not life, it's living. It means you're living God. How does God live? What aches and pains did He wake up with this morning? What, what mopey, whiny, complaining thing did He do on the way to church? How many times did He fuss at His bride? Are you following me? It's that kind of life. And it's self-regenerating perpetually. This is what Jesus came to give you. We, we can quote this scripture and none of us have a clue what Jesus was saying. He didn't come. Most people say eternal life. Okay, go to heaven. Not even. Not even. He came to give us perpetually regenerative, the quality and quantity of living that our Father currently has. How does that take place? We believe into Him, and then there's this amazing thing we have to do. And Jesus explained what everlasting life, the, like the, the connector point. Let's say you got the Byron nuclear plant over there just pumping it out, whatever number of megawatts that they're doing. And then I'm over here, and I'm trying to play my electric drums. There's a whole thing between them and me. And they all got to work. Because if there's one break in there somewhere, I can, I can kick and scream and moan and groan and, and call all the people on my prayer chain and tell them, the problem that I'm having with my electric drums, but the problem is the connect. It just needs to flow. And Jesus told us what that flow was. John chapter 17. This is the, the high priest prayer, the great high priest prayer. And it says, In Jesus lifting up His eyes, He spoke. The kingdom is voice activated. 
These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven. I'll remind you, heaven is not up. (laughs) So when it says lifted up, it doesn't mean that He looked up into the stars or something like that. It, It means that He lifted up His eyes from this natural, dusty, dirty realm and looked into the heavenly reality. It's not an up. In fact, when we pray, oftentimes we bow our heads so that we can talk to our Father who's right here. And He lifted up His eyes from this dirty, dusty, broken place. And He said, Father, the hour's come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may also glorify Thee. Glory. Glory is the heavy weightiness of God. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give the quality and quantity perpetual generation of living that You, Father, have. To as many as you have given to Him. This is the reward that the Father has for those that come to the Son. And this is that quality and quantity of life that God Himself lives right now, self-perpetuating. This is what it is that they might know Thee. That they might know Thee. All of the electric wires, all of the outlets, all of the converters on the electric poles, all of the poles, as big as they are, all the wires that go all the way to Byron, could all be summed up by the word intimacy. Intimacy. And for most folks in this room, I know, not looking at anybody, but for most folks in this room, that concept is as foreign As heaven itself. Because you're busy, you got stuff to do. You ain't got time to be sitting around thinking about God. If I'm reading the Bible, it's because I gotta get through it in a year. If I'm praying, it's because I'm going down my prayer list. I can't just go be with my father. You know what little kids do? Little kids who have good fathers, they play. One of their favorite playmates is their father. Hey, Dad, you want to come outside? We got Hamhock staying with us. Uh, sorry, <laughs> not supposed to. My niece, whose name is Brooklyn, is staying with us. 
And I love Brooklyn, and Brooklyn loves me. And when I come in the door, it doesn't matter. Yesterday, I was gone for 14 or 16 hours. Long time. I was gone a long time, doing stuff. And I'd come through the door. Uncle Steve! Want to play? (laughs) And it really doesn't even matter what. She had Princess Legos. Guess what Uncle Steve don't like to play? Doesn't matter. We're playing Princess Legos. That's what we're doing. And it's interrupted by tickle sessions. And you are way too grown up for that with your father. Which is why we're usually addicted to like our electronic devices, because they're way more interesting than hanging out with God. Amen. You know, the amazing thing is, is that some of us would rather go to a job that we hate, do things that we hate, for someone we're not supposed to hate, but we kind of don't have really good, fond feelings of. And we'll do that for 80 hours a week, and it's still better than hanging out with God. Amen. And I can tell you, ain't nobody better to hang out with than God. If you and I have a meeting and I'm late, this is probably why. There's a timeless zone that you can get into with your father. In my instance, you can sit at my desk and look out that window and see nothing and see everything. This is my father telling me the secrets of the universe. I have some things that I, if I said them right now, I could peel some of your scalps back that my father has told me about. And I'm not going to, so don't try to tempt me. And he's also told me things about my life. This is why I know what's about to happen in the next 60 days. My father said so. But I had to be quiet and listen. And the other thing is is that I had to actually talk about what he wanted to talk about. I know, that's an amazing concept. Because we think that he wants to talk about And he will. Because he wants to spend time with you. He really does. You're really actually important. And he loves spending time with you. And and it's and it's just like this. I know it's it's getting late and and you know, like okay, preacher, I mean, we got it. Blah blah blah, intimacy with God, eternal life, kingdom. Can you tie a bow on it? Because we got stuff to do. Yep, you got stuff to do. Things and stuff. 
and stuff and things. And your father needs to go to the back of the bus while you take the wheel and do your stuff and things. And he'll stay there because he just wants to be in the bus with you. Because he loves you. And he's okay with you not talking to him all day, all week, all month, and maybe even just on Christmas and Easter. He's okay with that. Because he loves you enough that he'll wait till Christmas. And he'll wait till Easter. He doesn't want to. But he's a gentleman. And obviously what you're doing is way more important. Way, way more important than your father, who's the creator of the universe. You could put all of the books about hearing the voice of God. Boil it down to one little sentence. Just being intimate with God. He could take all the principles, all gazillions of them, and the thousands, tens of thousands of books written on prosperity. And you could turn it into intimacy with God. You can take all the truths about healing and turn it into intimacy with God. But you have to be converted. If you're struggling with trusting God, you know, children trust their parents. Especially if they're good parents. I was at the I was at a person's house one time. I was actually at my mom's house when they used to live in their older house. And we came back on vacation. And the kids were really little. And I was, we were staying there. And, and I was, had a bunch of stuff in my hands. And I was going to go up the stairs. And Hannah was standing like ten stairs up. And I look up and there's Hannah. And she looks at me and she smiles. And I'm got stuff and I'm going to come up the stairs. And she goes, Daddy! Catch! (laughs) (laughs) And you don't know if your father will take care of your finances? How How is that possible? She trusted me more than gravity. (laughs) And we're struggling to trust Him for what? You don't have enough faith for what? This is what Jesus came for. You get this? That's why I read John 3.16. This is it. Jesus came for this. 
intimacy. He came to remove anything and everything. He didn't come for sin. Sin was just in the way. And just like a lover, an authentic, real, heavenly lover, any dragon that stands in the way between him and his bride, he will slaughter it. Sin was one of the dragons. Slaughtered it. Sickness, disease, slaughtered it. Poverty, lack, slaughtered it. Oppression, depression, slaughtered it. Demonic energy, slaughtered it. To give to you. So get on the horse with your Savior. Get up against His armor. And ride. And let me tell you the secrets of the universe. And be like a little child. Be very interested. Because he'll tell you. Ralph Emerson says, Adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. Trees don't worry about how fast they have to make fruit. It just comes natural. The enemy can stop you from coming to Jesus, but he can distract you from being with Jesus. And if you'll look through your life, look this, just this week, look just this week, and I will bet you, I'll bet anybody in this room, anybody, any amount of money you want to bet, that a ton of the things that happened to you this week was for the singular purpose of distracting you from Him. And when you know that, they will no longer have power over you. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His precious, life-changing Word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved. Speak life.